Good morning. Good morning. Having one of those mornings where there's that horrendous crushing realization that you are the same age as and look like your main teacher at primary school. Well, well, I had eyes. <laughs> Mr. Wood. I look like Mr. Wood. God, my first teacher was Mr. Wood. We have this conversation every time. Oh. No, no, no. No, you have the same level of surprise. What? Like, we've not discussed it 30,000 times. I've got the brain of a fucking goldfish. No, no, you are like, no, you haven't. Well, you're like, you've got the brain of, what's Dory? Finding Nemo? Which is the one that's gone? Dory. Going in circles, going yeah. in circles. Oh, you're now going to destroy the peace and tranquility I've got. Just Sorry, just, just remove yourself. Because I tell you what, Nadia's now got this thing on her Instagram app where when she does a live or films, it inadvertently zooms in of its own accord on her. That What's weird about that, that is a great metaphor for what she's like. She walks into a room and she zooms into your business. She literally is in your business. Um I love being in your business. Is anyone here a Flight of the Concords fan? Didn't they do a song about Nookie, which was like getting down to business or something? Morning, Richard. How are you? Hope you're well. Uh, Faith Goodman, just seen Sky is stopping broadcasting the Oscars. Well, yes, I saw that this week and with, can't say it's a massive loss. <laughs> I mean, really, it, it just felt like a couple of people sat in a cupboard. Um, Morning, Natasha Milch and Ellery Jones. Good morning, everyone. Good morning if you're listening on, on podcast. It's the Sunday paper, Sunday papers, Saturday papers. There's no curly cooks today because Dina is at a swingers resort. Just need to put it out there. She pretends that she's not interested in these things, but actually she is. She's out there. She's doing her thing. She's having a great time. Just don't tell her I told you. Um, uh, me too. They should just stream the Oscars now and earn ad revenue that way. Do, do they not do that? Is there not an, a live Oscar feed? On, no, there isn't, is there? No, they do a cut there. Good morning. Selena Lou Fogg. Happy, 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 happy birthday. I wish I didn't have to wear these. Happy birthday to you. When I'm in extreme sunlight, I don't need to wear my glasses, which is really nice. But um, but no, it's not extreme. Well, it's, it's sunny. Is it sunny where you are? Anyway, OK, let's have a look at the papers. Um, so there are obviously lots and lots and lots of the papers are carrying the story surrounding um, Nadia emptying her bowels oh, in the sorry. background. <laughs> that literally sounded like you just decided to release. And release. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Uh, Richard Grinley just deciding whether to run, ride, or fashion, uh, do a fashion shoot. Richard, I'm sure you're going to do all of them, and you'll have done them all before 11. <laughs> um, that was a whoosh. It was a hell of a whoosh. Um, so, yeah, um, I mean, you know, re release the beast, Lee Doran, or even realise the beast, absolutely. Um, obviously, a lot of the papers are running with the tragic sort of aftermath photographs, uh, clean-up operation that's beginning in Hawaii. Um, Oprah Winfrey has offered aid. Uh, the death toll stands at 55. Um, there's over a thousand missing. Um, I just found that that likening of the fires and the winds to a blowtorch, incredibly vivid uh, description of how 
fast these things can develop, how rapidly they can develop. Um, and so it's just the photographs of, I don't know if you can see there, you can see all the little swimming pools that would have been, you know, belong to these kind of condominiums or uh, apartments or properties or what have you. Um, British holidays couple and nightmare in Hawaii, killer fires, family cowered from flames. I mean, obviously we've heard stories of, um, you know, people having to dive into the sea. I mean, the back end of all of this, obviously, absolutely catastrophic uh, images there. There's a sort of before and after. This is someone who's not there at the moment. He's from Hawaii. I'm terrified for my neighbors. Not sure if I have a home to go back to. Um, this was um, a town, or the, the, and then this was it afterwards. So you've got your before and after. Oh, just just horrendous. Just absolutely horrendous. Um and it's the the thing that strikes me. It's a bit like the roads thing, isn't it? And the Greek Greek islands thing is, um, you know, I mean, like if any of us were entertaining thoughts of going to Hawaii, we probably aren't now. And it's terrible, isn't it? Because, you know, is this is this a symptom of? I mean, it was interesting. Who did I talk to? Oh, I was, I was talking to Nadia's dad. I said, how's the how's the Middle East coping with you know a, a similar uptick in temperatures and stuff like that? And he made a really, in classic Teddy fashion, he made such a simple observation. He said, there's nothing left to burn. And he didn't mean like stuff had been burnt by people. He said, literally, the landscape is so barren, it's so arid, it's so dry, that you could argue that, you know, when these things happen, can they happen in the same place again in quite the same way? I mean... You know, it's a terrible kind of potential silver lining, I suppose, but there is some aspect. But then again, I remember in the 80s, I always remember whenever we went to, I went to Ibiza, uh, a Greek, went to Spetse, it was my first Greek island. I remember there being the debris of fire. So it's, I think it's important to remember there have always been fires, wildfires. Um, and there is that aspect of the press seeking clickbait. So one has to balance the two out for sure. Um, and as Christos, you obviously said, um, in terms of Greece, there are also many ins instances where potentially there is, uh, you know, um, sort of horrible sort of activities at the behind of this, potentially. Some people sort of setting a light to things. Um, Natasha Milch in Israel isn't particularly nice either this summer, weather-wise. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, the world feels a very fragile place. And so... You know, you sort of hear of these kind of far-flung places, of beautiful places, and you're just like, oh, my God, you know, really? Um, you may have seen me completely lose my shit in the week about the uh, migrant crisis and that guy who told them all to F off back yeah. to France. Yeah, I can't say his name. He just annoys me. He doubled down on it the other day, given an opportunity to say, perhaps I used to, my language was too strong. And he was like a cocky fucker. He was like, no. I was like, oh, for God, fuck's sake. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's clearly seen to be such a bad thing if you ever climb down or ever say, you know, I'd have more respect if you said, you know what, I shouldn't have said it, it was a bit over the top, but no, no, I'm going to double down on it. Well, it's all kicked off again, hasn't it, with the barge, front of the mirror, deadly bug on barge. What an absolute mess. What an absolute mess. Um, so, in a sense, <laughs> the very thing that, old what's his face what's his name les anderson is it les anderson it wasn't les anderson no, that's, that's that's the guy who played was played by dame edna isn't it lee anderson is it lee anderson, oh, lee anderson. yeah lee anderson um 
the funny thing about this, what's not funny though, is that he's, you know, people, you know, migrant, he was saying that in response to migrants not wanting to go onto the barge, um, the Bibby Stockholm. And now they discover that people could, if they do go on the barge, could, could die from, from uh, Legionnaire's disease. Uh, the discovery of Legionella in the water supply sparked fears of a Legionnaire's disease outbreak. I mean, there would be nothing really on a PR in PR terms. I mean, the terrible thing about this is, and this is a terrible fact, there'll be lots of people in the country who think, couldn't give a flying, flying monkey's jollop about asylum seekers getting a deadly airborne virus. That, that, that's where we're at. It's be like, you know, what are you complaining about? What are you complaining about? It seems, it seems weird. It's sort of like sort of strange dark, twisted serendipity to this story breaking in the same week that he said, you should just uh, F off back to France if you don't like the barge. Because, I mean, that was the clarification he was making. I'm t- he was talking about the barge. If you don't want to get on the barge, go back to France. And now we've discovered the barge isn't necessarily fit for purpose. Um, uh, Braverman, Suella Braverman faces call to resign after the Legionella, after Legionella is found on the migrant barge. Um, as we know, nothing Absolutely nothing will budge Suella Bra- Braverman. You know what? Possibly because she's got the word brave in her name. That's why she can say things like the other day about, let's hunt them down. We will find them, find them on the beaches and we'll hunt them down. Hunt, hunt them down. Uh, Anne Fran, I've seen some horrible comments online about this as if they aren't human beings. When did we lose our humanity? That is the bit I don't understand, Anne Fran. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. It's just... A bit of humor. Someone came on. Someone commented under the uh, the thing saying, "Oh, classic middle class out of touch with working class." It's, it, this is humanity isn't about class. You can you can agree with policies. You can disagree with policies. I've always said the world has a genuine migrant crisis problem because you you, you know you can't literally. Millions upon millions of people, you know, coming into different countries all over the world, which don't have the infrastructure to cope, will create problems. But there needs to be some kind of global approach. And before we even get into the nitty gritty of the global approach, a humanitarian human approach. So to whoever it was, it was going on about, oh, classic middle class, working class, you know, working class, middle class, upper class, have compassion rather than just a knee jerk reaction and a Okay, well, there you go. That's what happens. Um, a little detail here in the eye, um, if you have a look here, is also there's fear that the fire brigades unions say that the vessel could also be a fire risk. They need to tread carefully here because if something catastrophic were to happen on this, it would, it, would, it would present an incredibly inhumane and troublesome picture to the rest of the world, especially as we pull ourselves out of the... Uh, European Court of Human Rights um, in order to get everyone on on ships to Rwanda or flights to Rwanda or whatever. Um, exactly, Mitri. As soon as climate change really digs its, its, its sort of gets its finger, I mean, we, we haven't even started yet, but once the impact of climate change really kicks in, what we're do, what's being dealt with right now is an absolute drop, no, no pun intended at all, is a drop in the ocean, complete drop in the ocean. You're going, to, you're going to see migration on a scale that we've never even comprehended before. Um, so, yeah, that's, uh, it could be a fire risk too. Um, yeah, Karen Ula, millions of refugees don't come here. They go to many other countries. Absolutely right. No, what I'm saying, Karen, is, is that we, we have, it's an increasing global problem. It's not a national problem. So, 
you know, people who get na- people who get all jingoistic and nationalistic about their borders and everything else. This is way bigger than, in a sense, the incidental stupidity of borders. This is about the developed countries rinsing the planet and now in a really patronizing fashion, turning around to the rest of the world saying, just be happy with what you've got or what you haven't got, because we can't cope with you now. In essence, that's what's happened here, really. Um, What have we got here? On the front of the Daily Mail, Daily Mail um, pressing uh, everyone on the trans route, pressure to change NHS guidance that says patients who temporarily identify as female can share single sex spaces. Uh, This is the story that the health secretary faced pressure last night to scrap shocking rules that mean patients who only occasionally identify as women can share female-only hospital wards. Well, there are two aspects to this. I think being occasionally a woman, if that's a thing, then, of course, they should not be allowed onto women's wards. I think there has to be a sort of some kind of holding ward or a third ward of some form. If someone is, for whatever justified reasons, oscillating in an incredibly frequent fashion. Um, Yeah, you can see how this could absolutely be exploited potentially. Um, But again, it being plonked on the front of the Daily Mail, it's it's the culture wars, isn't it? It's the culture wars that the the Daily Mail is always always interested in. Um, This other story really shocked me, um, as I'm I'm hearing lots of young adults talking about, um, you know, university, best years of your life, uh, accommodation. Anyone here go to university? When I went to college, I didn't. Do, lots of people had, did a gap year, right? I didn't do a gap year. Um, and if you didn't do a gap year at my university, you went straight into a shared dormitory room. And I shared a room with a guy called Neville. Completely polar opposites. He had a poster of Dave Lee. He was a heavy metal guy. Dave Lee he was like big hair and. I remember sitting on my bed when I got there thinking, I hadn't met him, he was just his poster was right up there, Dave Lee, I can't remember what his name was. And I was like, oh my God, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can do this at all. Um, yeah, no, I get that, Aaron. I think if, if gender fluidity I get, I, I think, but I, I do think there is concern, isn't there, if, that people can say it and, and how is there any way within a ward or a place which needs, you know, women want to feel safe, um, people who are gender fluid want to feel safe. I just wonder whether sometimes there needs to be, for, for people who are gender fluid, I'd, I'd have thought sometimes, Dave Lee Roth, thank you, Elaine Denning, I'd have thought sometimes everyone just wants their own space just to feel safe. And I think, you know, I think trans and gender fluid people deserve their own space to be safe too. So they can avoid these freaking headlines as much as anything else. Um, so yeah, so Dave Lee Roth, I, I had Dave Lee Roth looking down on me for years. Anyway, me and Neville, we never, we never, we weren't cut from the same cloth. But we we were incredibly tolerant of each other. We kind of just got on with it, got on with it. But student accommodation. This it this story on the front of the Times is um, the story that universities are now unable to guarantee accommodation. guarantee accommodation. Um, there's this idea that universities are promising to provide accommodation only to students that make them their first choice institution. Is this, I can't remember, is this still a thing, UCAS, where back in the day, we'd home in on five universities, we'd want to go to all of them, you'd try and get offered places at all of them, and then out of those five, you had to choose your top two. And then, of course, once you chose your top two, the other three went, fuck you, we're out of here, you know, know, and all that kind of stuff. 
So it was always a bit of a troubling moment where you went, oh, these are the two I'm going for. Um, but the ones that you, so what they're saying is, and only if you guarantee them as your first choice, will they give you accommodation. Madness. Bristol University is offering accommodation in Wales. X in Wales. I mean, it's not that far, but it's far enough. Exeter University has five applicants for every place at its most popular location. Glasgow University has said that in years of exceptional demand, it cannot promise to house anyone by the start of term whose family home is less than an hour away. I think what's going to start happening, guys, is more and more people are... I, I remember when I went to the University of Kent, people were like, oh, you're not leaving London. You're not going very far from London. I was like, no, I'm, I'm going for the degree that I want to take. It's got the best teaching team. It's da-da-da-da. And, um, but, I I, yeah, but lots of people were like, no, you want to get away from home. You know, back in the 80s, it was like, get away from home as far as possible. I mean, the fact that my mum had moved out of the house and there wasn't a home there, so it didn't bother me. It was just close to London. I think more and more people are just going to are going to start, um, you know, going to college closer to home and they'll stay at home. I do genuinely think that whole empty nest thing is going to is going to fade away for a huge number of people because it's just totally unaffordable. Um, Laura Lou, a lot of people in Wales stay living at home while at uni. Why not? I mean, who was it who said it? Someone I think it was Gloria Honeyford. I saw this week said, you know, paying rent like if she she has a grandchild paying a thousand pounds rent a month. You may as well take it, put it in a bin liner, and just hurl it to the bottom of the sea. Try and find a way of, of keeping it in the family and, and potentially, you know, put that money somewhere else. You know, save it or something like that. It's just crazy. It just makes... T- it's because the system, the narrative, the system narrative demands it of, of everyone. Keep the system going. It's not about you. It's about the system. All that kind of bollocks. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, that was shocking. Football. Who's watching the football later? Our best is yet to come, says England goalkeeper before Columbia football match. Um, goalkeeper Mary Earps has said the best is yet to Yeah. Yeah, it's always, let's hope so. Let's hope so. Yeah, what about the students from clearing Jane Bentley? I think the whole system's broke. It's a load of old nonsense. We need a major shake-up, says Mitri. But I've always said that there should be more types of unions. Yep, yeah, I agree. Yeah, why can't Tesco or BT offer degrees in their specialisms? Agree. Watching it now, good game on now, Cloder. Yeah, so obviously this is England uh, hoping to beat Colombia uh, and get into the semi-finals. Um, yeah, I, you know, I think, yeah, I think, I hope so. I hope so. I mean, yeah, let's hope so. Let's hope so. Let's hope we get there. An interesting story that developed last week with the increase in women now playing football Apparently, there's an epidemic of women suffering cruciate ligament injuries. The suggestion being that the female leg potentially isn't designed in quite the same way as the male leg to withstand those sideways. I mean, I did my cruciate years ago. Um, and apparently, there's huge, huge number of, of, of women footballers or women. Uh, epidemic, apparently, in the, in the NHS of women seeking cruciate ligament keyhole surgery. Uh, so, yeah, um, I oh, now this story, I want to. Yeah, no, absolutely. Harry Kane. Harry Kane's on the front of the papers. I was going to mention him in a moment. Uh, bye bye, Bayern Munich. Uh, bye bye. Bye Bayern Harry. Oh, God, it's not a very good headline. Um, so that's that. Yeah, I flew to paradise to have my baby on a beach. It turned into a nightmare. I don't know what I think about this story. What do you think about this? This is a British mother who, with her partner, flew 4000 miles to have her baby as natural as possible on a beach 
um, in uh, Give Birth on a Beach. Uh, she's now stranded off the coast of Granada. Grenada. Grenada, is it? Grenada. Um, the couple set off from their home in Manchester in April when she was 35 weeks pregnant. They planned to go to St. Lucia so she could fulfill her dream of having the most natural birth. Her waters broke on the as the couple made their way from Martinique to St. Lucia by boat. Uh, and the baby was born at sea. Wait, so all of that is well and good. All of that is well and good. Beach birth cup. But they're now trapped. They're now trapped in an administrative hell. Yeah. They can't get it registered because when they try to get it registered, they say they, the, the, the registrars say they need proof that it's theirs. And I'm wondering whether, you know, in going for an incredibly natural birth, maybe they sort of poo-pooed the idea of filming it in any way. But if they were on a boat, maybe if he's got footage, they could, they could show it. So they've been locked in a bureaucratic battle trying to get her home. A few days after the birth, they traveled to the hospital in St. Lucia to get her checked over and register her birth. They wouldn't carry out the registration because it was not within 24 hours. The pair then visited the registry uh, on the Caribbean island, but they were rejected again. They, the registry office said they couldn't do anything as the baby wasn't born in the hospital and nobody witnessed the birth. So they're possibly in a situation where they might have to call a fisherman or a boat driver or the captain, the skipper of a little tuk-tuk boat to prove that they were there. Wow. We're stateless and we're prisoners, they're saying. Immigration officials then told the couple they need proof the baby's theirs before a passport office said they could not help because the couple had no proof of where she was born. Now they claim the UK High Commission have told them they need a DNA test which they are still waiting for the results of. They feel stranded and abandoned. How a bliss, sort of home birth, au naturel, all that kind of stuff, um, plans and ambitions go to pot. Yeah, Ad administrative hell. Uh, there you go, and there they are. He's looking, he's looking up, I think, because he's thinking, is that, is that a plane that we can get over there? Um, oh, yeah, this, this story here was, uh, da, da, da. this is um, Sharon Davies, who was obviously critical, I can't remember specifically of what, I think of a, an advertising campaign that featured a trans uh, model. Um, she says that her children have received abuse from activists who are opposed to her views on trans women's participation in sports. Um, isn't that terrible? She said she's been vilified after campaigning for transgender women to be prevented, oh, that's right, from joining female competitions. So she's been targeted. This is just, just again, just, just a sort of brutal, brutal world, isn't it? By Bayern Harry, uh, 104 million pounds uh, for old um, Harry Kane, finally moving from Spurs. I didn't realise he was at Tottenham since the age of 16. He's off. He's moving to the German Giants. Obviously, paper's making a big deal of the fact that it's the first England captain to play for a German team. God, blimey. It's like, you know, you know, don't mention the war and all that. Keynes, Plains and Alf Wiedersehens. That's quite, that's quite good. Quite a nice alliterative, almost poetic there by the Daily Mail. Um, Keynes, Plains, and Alfred Sainz, £100 million uh, Harry, flies off with his wife to join Bayern Munich into a whole new culture of wags. 
Wow. But the biggest sporting event of the year, it'll be 104 million. I mean, it's 104 million. Let's not be around a bush. Uh, I guess, and I'd imagine that's probably a three-year deal or something. Wow. Who remembers the day when, was it Trevor Francis was the first footballer to be sold for a million? I think. Or £999,999, I think. Um, this story, this could be the sporting event of the century, though. Will Musk and Zuckerberg's big fight take place in the Colosseum? We can entertain this thought. This is obviously the, the story that uh, Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk were squaring up for a cage fight. Um, and Elon Musk has been apparently on the blower to the, uh, I think, the mayor of Rome or something, uh, trying to get the Colosseum as a possible venue. He said, we don't, I think Musk posted something somewhere saying we want to do I want to do it somewhere where there's nothing new or high tech or modern I have to say I mean it's going to be a pretty sort of hideous spectacle but I I I take time to watch this wouldn't you I'd want to watch this it won't happen entirely different weights won't happen I want this to happen it's not often that I want a fight but I want this fight to happen <laughs> <laughs> they're losing their shit, these guys, aren't they? I mean, having a midlife crisis, look, Elon in a sort of uh, Iron Man sort of outfit or gladiator outfit. But yeah, the plan and the hope is to try and do it there. But where have all the adults gone, gone Lucy Heaney? Me too, but it kind of, I feel it has to happen. I can't, I feel that you can't be these two sort of guys running their defining social media platforms, spouting all the big I am and making all this promising. Um, and, and, and not do it. I think it has to happen. I want to see it happen. I want to see it happen. My problem or my worry is that I think Musk might send an AI sort of a clone of himself or something. Um, we talked about the Oxford Street TikTok mass raid madness. This is where TikTok kind of started spouting the idea that there should be, everyone should head to Oxford Street and raid JD Sports. Well, apparently this is happening in many other places. Um, uh, Essex police had to head, to head out to South End as youth started. Uh, youth were sent posts about targeting the seaside city. Bexley Heath shopping centre could be the next target. Lots of balaclava-covered youngsters heading off to loot. Uh, you think TikTok could somehow could somehow get a handle on this, don't you? Um, what's this one? Oh, this is the story. Trust. Oh, I don't know how I feel about this. Richard Grindley, it's been reported to happen near me today. Ah, there you go. You see, this seems to be happening everywhere. It's, it's a little bit, it's a sort of social media. Let me just remove that. Social media version of that summer many years ago when, you know, the heat and, dis, you know, disenfranchisedness kind of kicked in and everyone just went, ah, sort of started raiding curries in um, in Brixton or what have you. Um, this is the National Trust has pleaded with Harry Potter fans to stop leaving trinkets at a memorial for a fictional elf that died in the final book, Dobby. Uh, makeshift shrine to one of the series' most well-loved characters uh, is uh, Dobby has been seen some of the items left by fans recently removed. Um, it's understood the items might have been moved by beach cleaners, although this isn't confirmed. Um what do you think about this? I mean, I suppose, yes, there's a littering thing. There's a pollution thing. I find things like this sweet. Yeah, do you remember when they burnt down the shop in Croydon? Absolutely. Summer riots was scary, Nicola Randall. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I get it. I suppose otherwise, you know, this just becomes a dumping ground, doesn't it? There was one near us in the local park for something. I can't remember what it was. It was quite nice. 
It's quite nice. Maybe, maybe they could construct something. Maybe they could make something. And then people could actually put their stones in it. I think, it, oh yeah, Elaine, let's have a look. I think it's beautiful too. It's a nice photo. I don't know. Sometimes it might be the right thing, but it, yes, Edward Bevington, strictly speaking, it is litter, littering. Is it not? Is it not? It's littering. Liz Dennis, 69, rounds off Strictly's oldest crop of contestants. I'm not a Strictly fan, but, you know, I'm sure many, many are. Um, that's great. Angela Rippon and him could be fun. Maybe. Um, oh, this is everywhere. This The original supermodels prove they're still the best as they reunite for Vogue. Right? I do feel a bit... They Okay, I think... Obviously, they've aged really well, yeah? But let's have another little look. They all look like they're in a state of shock. Their eyes look quite wide and panic-stricken. Let's have another look. You know, there's, uh, you know they, they all famously appeared on Vogue cover. Uh, Naomi Campbell, Linda Evangelista, Christy Turlington and Cindy Crawford posed for the magazine's cover 33 years after doing so as a group. I mean, they look, don't get me wrong, they look absolutely fantastic, don't they? But again, it's quite bleached out. They're quite like that and all the rest of it. But everyone's getting very excited about that. Uh, throw in the towel. We were talking about towel wars. Nadia can't stop ranting about this. Uh, throw in the towel. This is Croatia. Croats join beach wars. Brits gear slung away. Let's check this out. So it starts with, you know, look at that. Does that in any way feel staged? I don't know. But even if it is, I suppose what they're trying to say is this is an, this is emblematic of what's going on um, on, on resorts. But, but you don't leave your towels, guys, because these chaps who aren't mucking about will come along, grab them and hurl them in the back of the back of a truck. It just seems to it's the year of the sun lounger, isn't it? It's the year. I mean, it's it's like it's like that advert. Wasn't there an advert years ago, Heineken advert or something, where a British tourist didn't he sort of or someone throw the towel and it landed just in front of a German couple or something like that. They do look amazing, Marina O'Driscoll. They really do. Uh, what have I got here? How on a po oh, this is a good one. There's nothing worse than a shit. Sorry. Who here accepts an apology? Is it what makes a good apology? I think, in many regards, not saying sorry and changing things for the better uh, or saying i'm not going to say sorry i mean maybe one can fold this into it you know what i'm, I'm not going to actually apologize i'm going to prove that actions speak louder than words and then make it happen anyway this story here is how uh, an apology gift can make matters worse i agree i agree it's like if i'm given a plastic i don't know let's say i'm given a plastic turkey that squeaks as an apology by Toffee. Say so she did that for, I don't know, chewing one of my shoes. I'm just, all I'm ever going to think when I look at that plastic turkey is Toffee let me down. I'm just going to be reminded of disappointment. So, anyway, this is a study, if you can believe it. Researchers from the Wageningen University in the Netherlands uh, picked two gift products, flowers and chocolates, and examined the effect of an apology label on the items. The results of the study showed that both chocolates and flowers with an apology label were evaluated less positively than those with a plain gift label or no label. So don't overcook the apology. Don't give a flowers with a note going, I'm so sorry. 
it kills them. Just give flowers because it allows the apology receiver to forget the kind of original misdemeanor. I think that's the idea. Gifts to say sorry were perceived as strong negative reminders of a transgression and were more likely to be re-gifted. So if Toffee gave me that squeaky turkey, I'm more likely to give that to Chi-Chi because I don't want to be reminded of how disappointed I am in Toffee. Do you get me? I need to see their eyes to check their sincerity. Karanula, check out the No Name Sunday show goes out tomorrow. And one of the memes that Maddie's found is so funny on this very topic. The idea of if someone chooses to believe you or not by the look in your eyes and how you can't change them around once they've decided you're not telling the truth. Very, very funny. Do you th does the phrase carping on or to carp on about something, does that come from fishing? Have we got any fishermen or fisherwomen here? Anyone who's into fishing? I tried it once with one of my mum's girlfriends. It was the most boring three hours of my life. It was, I mean, ADHD, hyperactive kid. Oh, my God. And to be repeatedly told that, that breathing was distressing the fish when they're in the loudest harp on. Is it harp on? <laughs> but there is a phrase to carp. He's carping on about it. No, it was a harp. Oh, no, you're right. It's harping on. Oh, Richard, what am I? You need to take me fishing, mate. You need to take me to a place where there's fish, though. I never understood how I distressed fish when they were in what looked to me like a really distressing river full of distressing things. But it was me. Oh, it is harp on. Okay. Well, this guy's carping on. Uh, this is a chap. Let, let me show you. Look at this chap. Back in 1991, teenager Dave with a carp that was 14 pounds in weight. And you're not going to believe this. This is the one that didn't get away, as the Daily Mirror says. He landed the same fish this year. Okay, okay, now, you're all asking, how does he know? Well, I think if you look at where his hand is, he knows this fish intimately. No, I'm joking. Um, he said the carp's unique markings and scale patterns showed it was the carp, the same carp, that then weighed 14 pounds and he caught as a teenager. As soon, he said, as soon as I saw it, and this is like, this is like love at first sight, Richard, as a fisherman. Do you, do you get this connection away from the rat wreck? Oh, like, see, see, Richard, once again, <laughs> away from the rat race life, listening to nature. See, I wasn't. I was an aggravating, irritating little shit sat next to Wendy who was trying to patiently do exactly what you were saying. Um, do you believe this, Richard? Could they, guys, do you think, the, the, is this the same fish? Did he have a conversation? He said, as soon as I saw it, as soon as, as soon as he saw it in the water, I knew it was the same one I caught in the early 90s. I wonder if there was like a moment where like a sort of like, you know, a sort of soft, soft edged heart sort of emerged. See, I think he's carping on. Harping on. Is it harping on? Carping on. Oh, I love it. Well, I love this story. Listen, look at this. Um, Pedro Pascal. Any Pedro Pascal fans? So get this. You've got a little gallery in Margate. Pedro Pascal, huge Hollywood star now. Everyone loves him. Star of The Last of Us. He's been in loads and loads of movies. Um, and you have a small little gallery in Margate, which we did a vlog in. Lovely little place. Oh, you've done it four years apart, Richard. Wow, Richard has caught a fit, the same fish four years apart. Wow, fish is thinking 
not again. Oh, the fish is thinking, not again. I thought you meant fishing is thinking. Fishing is thinking. It's mindfulness, isn't it, Richard? You're absolutely right. Um, so you've got a gallery and you've got an exhibition of Pedro Pascal. He only comes and fucking visits, but you're shut. The owner of an art gallery featuring an exhibition dedicated to the Hollywood star Pedro Pascal has said she's mortified that it was closed when he turned up for a visit. Pascal 48 turned up to the Rhodes Gallery on Sunday, but the door was closed. <laughs> that is bad, bad luck. Um, which kind of leads us on to the big story that I know all of you from Instagram have been desperate to sink your teeth into in more ways than one, which is Rise of the Sani Psychos. Can't leave the Daily Star. I love their sub subheadline here. Uh, filthy beasts filling sandwiches with beans. And, you know, you turn to page seven. They're a sandwich short of a picnic. This is the idea uh, that shoving baked beans and other unholy Sani combos between... Uh, slices of bread is is just is the work of the devil um other odd combos include uh tuna and pineapple oh uh, sausage and peanut butter oh what kind of a combo do you do you have a combo a sandwich combo uh that others consider to be hideous but you 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 would die for um marmalade and coleslaw i've always marmalade literally makes me want to chop my toes off it really does. And then put them in a preserve, keep it for four years, and then give it spread on, on toast to whoever gave me marmalade. Marmalade is offensive. Richard Grindley, cheese and lime pickle. Um, I think, uh, what, what else have we got? Oh, they're coming through. Cheese and pickle, Joni. I'm not a fan of pickle. What other combos have we got here? Banana and mayo. Banana and mayo. Dear heart, you love marmalade. Anne Fran, you love marmalade. Peanut butter and cucumber, Tara Surridge. Mm, a peanut butter and cucumber. That's an odd one. Mar Marina are just called tuna and cucumber. Um, Heather Draper, I love squidging banana and cheap white bread, nothing else. My nan used to do uh, squidge banana with sugar on it into white bread. And, and the, the crunch of the sugar crystals was like, you know when you get sand in your teeth? Except sugar in your teeth like this is is like beautiful sand it's like shiny beautiful sweet sand no wonder i was hyperactive and a nightmare to go fishing with uh dear heart paddington loves marmalade i know that's why I, that's why i want to punch paddington sometimes i mean I, you know I, I i like him sometimes i just want to give him a good old punch in the face and just say come on marmalade really who are you kidding um uh what's this oh yeah that's da, da, da. Uh, picking a holiday winner we were talking last week about kids getting bored in the, in the summer classic childhood pastimes are coming back um try suggesting this to any youngster i I've, I've, i know or have heard of and you'll be poked in the eye with a poo stick um uh, make daisy chains go picking berries play poo sticks and paddling in streams um Children are also making, yeah, the most popular way of classic childhood pastimes like berry picking and having a holiday revival due to the cost of living crisis. I don't know if they are. I just think kids are really bored. And I don't know if I was to have said, I don't know. Oh, this story is funny. Look at this. Man drives um, 150 miles. Well, it's funny, but not funny. He couldn't get a taxi. So he stole a car at Gatwick Airport and drove 130 miles an hour. After being refused, I mean, you know what? Hell hath no fury like someone landing in arrivals at Gatwick at 4 a.m. in the morning after an easy jet nightmare. 
and there being no cars and no way to get home, no tubes, no trains, nothing. I'm not suggesting that he should do this, but, you know, he was clearly driven. Look, police have released a video footage online of a man who stole a taxi, literally stole a taxi. He was having none of it. He was like, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. I'm out of here. Wait 100 years for potholes to be fixed as cash for roads is cut. So if you're destroying the tires down your road, it ain't going to happen in your lifetime. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just terrible. And some photos. So for those of you listening, you're going to have to use the great sort of skills of imaginative thought to construct these images. But for some reason, the Daily Star has uh, center pages suggesting that these are magic, what they call magical mutts. Apparently these, these dogs are just clever and magical. I don't know if they are. I think their owners have just put things on their heads. So here we go. A dog with a with some pansies on his head. Um, yeah. It's very still. Uh, got a dog with a bottle of glass water. Clearly hasn't got a drinking problem, that dog. Um, this one, egghead. <laughs> magical mutts. He's got eggs on his head. Don't quite know how long that lasted before they stopped taking the photograph. Uh, dog after Nanny Di's heart. This is the dog that Nanny Di needs because uh, he'll clearly bring her lots and lots of toilet roll. He's very focused. He's zen, isn't he? And he's clearly doing that in order to get that dog bowl behind him filled. Um, this one, I don't think looks particularly fair. He's got a kettle on his head. I, I, don't, think, I don't think he's aware of what's going on, really. Um, and then this, can anyone guess what this is? <sighs> this is an astonishing photograph. What do you think this is? Yeah, come on, come on, guys. Tell me, what you, and for those of you listening, this is impossible. But we're looking at something that looks like a, a puffer fish without a head or tail, uh, attaching itself to something else. And no, this isn't a snapshot of what's going on in Nadia's bra on a Sunday afternoon. But it could be. This is a germinating pollen grain on a flower stigma. <gasps> I thought it was COVID, Amfran. No, look at that. This is a, a grain of pollen on a flower stigma. Who remembers the word stigmata? Stigmata? No, stigma from school. Stamen. Stamen. We'd all run around pretending we had st our own stamens. Yeah. Um, and finally, this image is a rather beautiful image. This is uh, a convoy of London double-decker buses uh, making its way across Wiltshire under a rainbow. Vehicles are part of a tourist initiative once a year where visitors can see one of Britain's rare abandoned villages. Imber was empty during the Second World War. Oh, there's a place in Dorset a little bit like this. Um, and so you can go and vi visit on these buses, buses to Imber. We should do it. We should take a bus to Imber and take you all there. So there you go, guys. There's your... Saturday papers and now there's no curly cooks what can I say head back into earlier in the week there's a, a little special snapshots and behind the scenes stuff that happened last weekend at Seam in the no name Sunday show that's landing tomorrow um so go and check that out otherwise I hope you have a lovely fun packed Saturday um something else will be landing on the channel later